0: Welcome to the only podcast for piano teachers just starting out, Piano Teacher Primer. My name is Angela Toon. Keep listening for the prime pro tips you can use with your own students right away. Three to-dos before starting to teach piano. So we've had some episodes on how to teach and there will be more, I promise. But there are some things to do before you actually start teaching. One, we have some decisions to make. We need to decide who to teach. Are we gonna teach beginners only? Are we gonna teach all levels? Are you gonna teach children only? What if an adult wants lessons from you? Or what if a teen beginner asks you for lessons? You wanna decide these answers ahead of time. And then another decision is what can set you apart from the crowd, there might be multiple piano teachers in your area and it's fun to have some kind of a specialty that you offer you could offer jazz or composing side you could offer summer game-like programs you could just say i let students choose their own pieces or you could say i have a classical emphasis or a mix of both some teachers this is another decision to be made. If you're gonna teach in your own home or if you're gonna teach in a studio space or if you're gonna go to their home. And that can be a selling point. Parents love that when you go to their house. Uh, so there's pros and cons to all of those. But those are some decisions that you need to make, just a few to get you started. Second is how to find students. This is the one of the most common questions. I'd love to teach piano, but where do I find the students? Well, to be honest, I have really used word of mouth almost exclusively. People hear from another parent. I live in Utah and there are a lot of children who are parents of children who want them to be in piano lessons and children that want to learn piano also. So... Word of mouth can be very, very powerful. If you have kids, you can talk to parents of other children. So people need to know that you teach piano and so tell everybody that you can. Um, Another super great way to find students is through other piano teachers. So you can call them, ask them um, if they have a waiting list and if they wouldn't mind telling their waiting list that you are taking students right now Um, They may want somebody really awesome that they could send students to. I know I do. I have a waiting list and I would love some teachers nearby that I could share my students with, that I could refer out the ones that I do not have space for. Um, Another thing with other piano teachers are piano teacher groups. So there are some national groups, a few of which I am a part of. One the Music Teachers National Association. Amazing, and there are local chapters, so check if there's one in your area. And in our chapter, there is a person designated to help match up families that want teachers and teachers who have openings. And so, and just networking with other teachers helps get your name out there and tell all of them that you're taking students. Um, there's also the Federation National Federation of Music Clubs. I hope I said that one right. And they have, it being in those groups, because many times students that have done Federation Festival want to continue so they can earn their trophies and things. And so that might be a good, another great way to network and find some other teachers that could pass along your name. So lots of things with that. And then online is becoming increasingly more important. You'll want to have some kind of a website and or social media. You can start sharing on social media um, if you're if you're teaching already some things that you're doing, and um, if you want to get even more into it, you can also run Facebook ads. Facebook owns both Facebook and Instagram, and you can say uh, area specific ads. So that's another option. And let me know, go to my Instagram, which is Tunes Tunes, T-O-O-N-E-S, T-U-N-E-S. And let me know, find the post for this episode and let me know what you have done to find students or what has worked for you. Or if you moved to a new area and, um, And what has worked for you or for others that you've heard of? I would love to get more ideas from this because this is a really common question. And again, I've pretty much just used word of mouth. Oh, you know, another word of mouth thing that is helpful is the teachers in the high schools and the junior highs in your area because these kids will sometimes be in other instruments and they wanna learn piano also, or they, Yeah, it's just kind of the music world. So anyway, that's another word of mouth idea. Okay, number three to do before starting to teach piano. You're going to need a few tools of the trade. So you're going to need a piano. Maybe if you teach in the students' homes and they have a piano, you don't necessarily need to own one right away. There are also music stores, by the way, that you can rent a space and teach out of that have pianos in them, possibly in your area. So you'll need a piano or a place to teach or an arrangement to go to the students' homes. You'll need pencils. I recommend writing in pencil and not pen on the music. And I seem to have a post-it note addiction. So (laughs) you can pick up post-it notes of various sizes and that will be a most excellent tool for you. Another tool that you'll need to prepare are some something to write on in the lesson. This can range from a simple notebook to a binder. I personally use a binder to write on in the lessons. There are also online systems that sends a text back and forth from the, from the teacher to the student or the teacher to the parent. So you can look into those online systems Or go analog paper like me. And then you'll need to prepare a policy letter. And that is a letter where you're going to explain your policies and things that you will agree to and the way that you charge. Anyway, I go into more detail on that. I recommend having a pre-lesson interview with potential student and parent and this is for both to decide if it's the right fit. In fact, I even say that. I, uh, I say They say, oh, I would love for you to teach my child. Oh, I may have an opening, but why don't you come and we'll have a little visit and see if it's a good fit. And I have heard of teachers charging for this, but I choose not to because, like I said, it's for both parties, the teacher and the family, to decide if it's a good fit. In person, you can really get a vibe, and I guess if you teach online lessons, this could be over Zoom, but you can really get a vibe of a person live, right? How they are gonna, if they're friendly, if you get a kindness vibe from them, and then from the students, um, you know, if it's a warm and welcoming environment, and then for the students, if they seem attentive and ready to learn, and then if the parent has additional questions, it's a great time for you to set up expectations and then that can really help decide if it's a good fit so here i will go into more detail on the policy letter so you'll want to describe the payment details how they are going to pay um how often what it includes um Also, how you handle missed lessons or cancellations or do you offer makeup lessons, things like that. And of course, practicing expectations. And I think this is so crucial on this first meeting to talk about practicing, what it looks like, frequency and length, expectations, and why practicing is so important. Um, I compare it to if they've had siblings that have taken piano or other instruments. I ask them, have you seen your brother or sister practicing their instrument. Why do you think they do that? And asking questions really involves the child and the student and the family rather than me just talking. So I ask a lot of questions like that. I ask them if they are in any sports. And for instance, if they're in soccer, it's pretty popular in my area. I've got some soccer students as well as my own kids Anyway, so I'll compare it to soccer. I'll say, what, you've got, what, two practices a week? One? Okay, so you've got soccer practice, and then you've got your game. What if you never, ever went to soccer practice? Would you get better as a team for your games? And they'll probably say no. And then think, if you were to practice on your own, especially if they're on like a competitive team and they they understand that their coach is asking them to do drills and touches and things. If you practiced on your own, how much better could you be in the games? Wow. And so it's, it's like piano. However, your practicing is all on your own. And then I tell them, I tell them how to practice and exactly what to do. I write it right here and then the parent and the student has very clear understanding of what practicing is. Um, And I tell them not practicing is a great way for this to be super boring and a great way for you to stay exactly where you are. But improving and doing more and more music, that is accomplished by practicing. And then you'll wanna set up the expectation in this meeting that they have an instrument to practice on in the home. And so this is another kind of decision to be made. You wanna decide if you're gonna allow them to practice on an electric keyboard. And you're gonna decide if they are allowed to practice on an electric keyboard in the home, if you have any parameters around that, if it needs to be 88, weighted keys, if it needs to have a pedal, things like that. And they might say, well, they're just starting out. But the way I start out, they are all over the entire 88 keys right away. And within the first month, they may use the pedal, depending on which books I have them get. But... Um, um, and then some teachers say I require an acoustic-only piano in the home. So... And sometimes they'll say, well, they can just go to their grandma's house to practice the piano, or they can go to the church and practice the piano. But let me tell you, even when I was in college, a piano major in college, I lived with my grandma for a month, and there was not a piano there. And so I had to go to another location to practice. And it was so much harder, even though I was a very dedicated college student in piano performance. Was still difficult for me to practice in another location. So I do not recommend that. They need to have an instrument in the home to practice on. So, but you do what you would like on that and you set up your own expectations in this meeting. And you could have them sign their name on the policy letter somewhere or on a separate sheet. So that you have proof that you've gone over it and you and it's you need to go over it. You can't just hand it to them and expect them to read it. And I recommend updating the policy letter frequently. And the final thing in this interview is to help them get excited. Excited to start piano lessons. I show them their incentives that they can earn. I give them their binder. Oh, if we decide if it's a right fit, right? (laughs) So pretend we decided it is a good fit and they're like, yes, we can agree to these practicing expectations. I get them excited for recitals. The next one is on this date and um, they just get really excited. And then their first lesson is even more of a brace because you've set up all of that ahead of time. So I have gone into much greater detail on how to find students, tools that you're going to need, decisions to be made, policy letters, these interviews, and many other things to get ready to teach piano. It's in my online course called Piano Teacher Primer. Same name as this podcast. Very creative. Just go to AngelaToon.com, that's T-O-O-N-E, to check it out. See you next time.